to this episode of How Top HR Professionals Think podcast. I'm Dr. Rosaline Glickman. Before I introduce you to our guest today, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Bill Brewer. Bill helps organizations build teams of the best leaders to optimize their business goals. Bill is with Stanton Chase, a top 10 global executive search firm with over 70 offices in 45 countries. Clients are the Fortune 2000. Bill leads the North America Human Resources Practice Group. He has deep HR experience and has been a Chief Human Resource Officer with three companies ranging from 3,000 to 20,000 employees. His early HR experience was with Fluor Corporation and the Walt Disney Company. Thanks, Rosaline. And I'd love to introduce you. Dr. Rosaline Glickman is a seasoned executive coach who helps senior executives, YPO leaders, and rising stars to optimize value, communications, and performance with optimal thinking. Rosaline has delivered over 2,500 presentations to corporations, associations, and business groups. On an individual basis, she has provided over 30,000 hours of one-on-one coaching. She is the creator of numerous optimization products, including the Optimal Thinking 360 Assessment, deployed by more than 6,500 organizations around the globe. And I'll turn this back right over to you, Rosalie. Thank you, Bill. So it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Cindy Ballard is an accomplished human resources executive. She leads media companies design, implements and accelerates their transformation and HR strategies. Cindy is currently the CHRO at Streamland Media. Previously, Cindy partnered closely with ICM Partners executive leadership team and was responsible for all facets of HR, including corporate culture, talent performance, planning and development, organizational design, HR analytics, health and welfare benefits, and compensation. She built the HR function from the ground up and was instrumental in advancing the diversity, inclusion, and gender equity agendas. Cindy previously served as the Chief Human Resources Officer for Tribune Publishing, where she led HR across 10 media companies covering 7,000 employees. Before that, Cindy was Senior Vice President of Global HR for 20th Century Fox, where she managed international and domestic activities for the company's worldwide distribution group, which employs 2,500 employees in more than 31 countries. Earlier in her career, Cindy served as Senior Vice President of HR for Initiative Media, a global agency with Borders Group, where she also designed and implemented a corporate diversity program. Cindy recently received the Top Human Resources Executive of Southern California Award and the Most Powerful and Influential Woman Award from the Diversity Council of Southern California. We're delighted to have you here today. So let me turn it over to you, Bill, to start the ball rolling. Thank you. Cindy, we're thrilled to have you with us today and to chat a little bit. 
as a top HR professional on our topic here, how top HR professionals think. I wanted to lead off with a question of what are the best opportunities for a human resources leader during the pandemic? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you both. You know, it's funny as I listen to that question, my initial reaction is it's so much more than just the pandemic. The wildfires, the hurricane, the social inequities and unrest and what that has brought to the black and brown communities as well as women. When I look and say the role that HR plays and the opportunities that we have, it sometimes it can feel like it's insurmountable, that it's just too much, but with great change and disruption brings opportunity. So three things immediately come to mind. We're going to have to look at how we operate both in HR and as we look at how companies operate. It's about what work needs to get done, how that work needs to get done, not where it gets done, or necessarily by whom. And and so let me dive into that. It's the skills required to do the work and how we do that work. And I think we're so used to the old norms, even in HR, by the way, that we pile on the inequity and the social inequity that we're going through. And I think we as HR professionals have to challenge those norms. We have to look at all of the things we're doing in HR to say, is that going to yield the best result to bring equality to the workforce, to get the most out of people? We're so used to saying it's always been done that way, or we're really comfortable with our playbooks. You know, as HR professionals, it's, oh, well, I've done this, and here's what I've done there. And we've got to stop that. We've got to break it. We have got to look at everything from the talent pipeline and how we manage talent to how we orientate people to job description. What are the skills we need to give our employees or adapt our employees from old to new skills to survive how we're going to do work. And so I would say what work gets done and how it gets done, break it, look at everything you're doing as a company and with the lens of social equality and advancement and doing the right work at the right times using the right tools. And lastly, leadership. I remember the time where it was about get results at all costs get the revenue, just get it done. Don't ask questions. Here's how you're going to do it. Coming out of the pandemic, it's about the human connection. And those leadership skills are really uncomfortable. And you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so I would say that the amount of attention that needs to be placed on the soft skills of leadership are going to be more critical and where HR can certainly spend their investment and time in reshaping how we come out of this pandemic. Mm. So I'm hearing an optimal thinker here. How do we create the best result with the human capital resources we have? Not just how do we improve or how do we greatly improve, which would get an extraordinary result, but how do we optimize what we have rather than accepting it and doing what we've always done? So bravo for that. Well, and to respond to that, we know that the things we've done in the past, they may have gotten us where we are. It's not enough to get us where we need to go. Right. What was acceptable may no longer be acceptable or it's not the best outcome under these new circumstances. You're looking for the best outcome because when you choose the best, you can put it to rest. A hundred percent. So we're on the same page, Cindy. 
with that said, how would you best position an organization as it comes out of the pandemic? I would say a couple things. We need to embrace a safe environment where it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to say, again, I didn't know that, or, ooh, my perception of that was wrong, or I need to be educated. There's a sense of safety that we have to create for these leadership teams with that vulnerability. In corporate America, some organizations' failure is not accepted. I think we have to create, again, that vulnerability to fail and take risks and say, I don't know, and make that human connection with my employees. In addition to that, I think it's really important to do two other things, and that's to make sure you're staying connected to partners in the industry that are navigating through this with you. I'm very fortunate that every Friday I sit on a call with 120 CHROs around the Fortune 500 companies. There is a sense of collaboration and team and vulnerability on that call where we can exchange ideas. So you have to create a network as a CHRO to challenge your assumptions, to challenge your ideas, to talk about what's working, what's not working. And then I think the third thing you have to encourage is you really have to be close enough to the business and being in entertainment right now, as you can imagine, is quite difficult. But you have to understand and know the landscape of the world and the landscape of your business vertical. Because I can't make recommendations to my CEO or to my board or to the management team about what we do around that corner unless I know what our industry is doing, the world landscape is doing. So you have to create these verticals that you're staying current, that are challenging your thoughts, and that you can build solid recommendations on in terms of where we go and how we pivot coming out of the pandemic. I mean, I'll give you a great example. There used to be an extras business in the entertainment world when you made a film or a TV or a television episode. Now, in the world of COVID, there's no extras business. But guess what? For my company, in a CGI world, we now get to create extras. And so, again, I look at that and say that may be very detrimental to the humans that were being employed to be extras, but... I also see it as an opportunity because we've now put resources and we now can build the extra business through CGI and that's now a revenue stream for us. So I wouldn't know that if I wasn't really engrossed with that vertical of the industry, as well as understanding how the world is viewing content, CGI, technology, et cetera. I'd love to revisit your ideas on vulnerability because you can't really risk more than you can afford to lose. On the other hand, if you don't open up and share and be transparent, you just cover up a vulnerability can magnify. Sometimes the thought is, do I share my vulnerability and then state, well, here's what I think is the best solution. What do you think is best? I've always been a proponent. And again, this is Cindy Ballard rule of thumb, um, Mm -hmm. but it's always served me well with my staff as well as with my executives. Yeah. I have to be a leader and an example of the behavior that I think should be emulated to get the best results. Absolutely. And if I don't emulate that behavior, how do I expect my team or my executives to? 
I would tell you, I have been very boisterous in saying, I'm going to share information and my thinking with you. It shows great courage on my part because I'm afraid you'll judge me. I'm afraid you'll laugh at me. I'm afraid you'll think my idea is stupid, but I'm going to do it because I want to create the atmosphere of that dialogue. So you're leading by example. I am. Bravo. Most people can't do that. I got to sleep at night. Yeah. And I, for me, I sleep at night when I'm that authentic leader and I'm myself. And, and that's leadership. So that's terrific. Bill, have you got yeah, some more questions? On that, the authenticity is such a key ingredient to being a successful CHRO. So yeah. obviously it has bode well for you, Cindy. I wanted to ask about your thoughts around what does it take to be a best place to work from a human capital perspective? I think about the employer brand, best place to work, and how you achieve that. And the first thing that comes to mind for me is it has to be in the company's DNA. At the end of the day, that comes from whether you're a public company and it's your board, whether you're a private company, it's your PE firm or your whoever your owner is, your CEO. If it is not in your DNA and it is not an important part of the company to those folks and your leadership team, and you don't have the resources, you're never going to get there. I mean, after my 29 years of doing this, you will not get there unless you have advocates with you that support that. And that really comes out of building your purpose and staying true to your purpose, as well as your values and your strategy. That's been true for many, many, many decades. And I've been in organizations where they say they want it, but they don't. And I've been in organizations where they say they do and they put the resources around it. So I know the difference. They have to support it because at the end of the day, employees want to feel connected. They need to have an emotional connection to where they work. They need to believe in where they work. They need to be proud of where they work. And if you cannot connect emotionally to employees, they will opt out, bottom line. The other elements of best place to work, which is, you know, creating opportunities and the type of the work you do and the rewards programs, for me, those are now table stakes, even more so coming out of this pandemic. You have to have a human connection. That means by your leaders to their teams, by the leaders to each other, and from your CEO and board. They want to feel part of something, they want to feel connected, and they want to feel heard, and they want to belong. And that, to me, is really the foundation of creating a best place to work. I just wanted to ask around the thought of, you had mentioned that you've seen places where maybe they've talked the talk, but they're not really truly supportive. Have you found situations in those cases, without naming names, that you're able to turn it around and get that senior leadership team kind of bought in and, and shift their behavior where they can actually walk the talk? I've had one situation that was hugely successful, and I can name that one, that was 20th Century Fox. When I got there, believe it or not, in 07, they, had, they really did not have any international human resources and they operated in those 31 countries. We had a very traditional leadership team. HR wasn't part of the leadership team. By the time that I left eight years later, I was doing the budget and the HR strategy plan and presenting it to the head of the studio. And that took probably six of the eight years to get there. And so I've seen where the education and the commitment and the debate and the results have really bared fruit. 
But that group of people didn't know what they were missing until they saw what they were missing and loved what we could provide. And that doesn't mean it wasn't hard and we didn't debate, we didn't argue, we did. But again, those fruits of the labor, it was, I watered the tree, it grew. Another place, it was more about, they wanted an outward image of what they thought they needed. But when I got in there and I said, here's the resources, here's the budget, here's what we need to do. This is gonna be really hard work. This is what I need from you as a CEO and the leadership team. It was like, whoa, wait, hold up. That's a lot, that's really hard. Can't we just do this? I would tell you the intention wasn't pure. They wanted an image versus a reality. And this goes mm. back to if you don't have that buy-in from your board and your CEO and, and the leadership team, no matter what I do, if that CEO doesn't support it and drive it, I couldn't make headway. I kept running into a brick wall. Yeah, that's championing change. You're there to provide an environment that encourages employees to bring the best version of themselves to work each and every day. If you take the optimal thinking philosophy, making the best of ourselves is the reason we were born or our main job in this world is to be our best self. And the purpose of relationships is to bring our best self forth. Once you provide an environment which creates the connection of best selves, then you're going to create a best place to work. I hear you. So the paradigm, I guess, would be find out what the best means to people, what's most important to them, appeal to their best interest, stimulate in them the desire to be their best, and then acknowledge them for doing their best. So my question would be, how do you, as a seasoned, successful HR executive, find out what the best means to your people? Yeah, I, you'll see a theme in our discussion today, which is, it goes back to that human connection. And I have six steps that I am very deliberate about when I interact with my team, when I hire my team, and when I interact with my executive team. Where all is. <laughs> the first one is listen. Executives don't take enough time to just open their ears and listen to what your people are telling you. Most important thing. The next one is encourage. My goal at the end of the day is to make people better. How do I, as a leader, encourage someone to bring out their best? And then, that is the optimal question. Yes, it is. And so Let's repeat that question. How do I, as a leader encourage people to be their best. That's your uh, job, right? Yes, it is my job. Is, yeah. You're absolutely right. Again, I go back to listen. I think you have to teach and you have to share knowledge. That's not one way. I am going to learn just as much from them as they are from me. So it's a collaborative process. I want to inspire them. I can only do that if I know what motivates them. So I go through a series of questions around that. And then I want to understand how they want to grow, whether that's up, whether that's sideways, whether that's a skill. I mean, it can be so many different things. I really make that human connection around those six principles. I ask a ton of questions and get to know them. What motivates you? What do you avoid? Great question, by the Love way. Love that, yeah. What do you avoid? What's a deal breaker for you? Right. What can uh, you not take exactly. under any circumstances? <laughs> what, quite frankly, pisses you off? What makes you yeah. happy? And so, again, it goes back to that human connection. To remember those six principles and make sure that I'm asking questions around those six things, 
will get me to a point where I understand someone, I can understand how I work with them, what brings out the best in them, and then where I have to focus in terms of growth and development. You know, I'm very proud of it. I have an executive that I've worked with for many years and she called me two weeks ago and she's in Australia. And she says to me, I'm going back to get my MBA and I really want you to look at my curriculum. And so I like took me a nanosecond. I, I wrote back, I said, uh-uh, I don't know where you're getting your finance portion of this, but you need to go back, take this out and you need to put your finance in because that's what you need to do to get to the CHRO level. And she wrote back, I don't wanna. I said, well, again, let's go back to your goals. What inspires you? How do you wanna grow and learn? And what do you avoid? I've used those six things and questions around those six principles all my career. And so needless to say, she's getting her finance degree. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I like, wanna delve in a little bit more at that individual level. And it may be an individual who you are observing is just going through the motions, right? So how do you stimulate an individual's desire to contribute their best? It's like direct marketing for employees, right? It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort, but it really goes back to that individualized discussions and interaction. I'm very honest. I'm very open. I give real-time feedback. I truly, truly exhibit and believe feedback is a gift because with the right intention and delivery, it makes people better. So I would have that conversation with that employee and I would say, here's where I think you can go further. Let's talk about the resistance to that. Let's talk about, is it fear-based? Is it skill-based? Let's have an open dialogue about, is there something I can do or a barrier that I can break down for you to help you? You're seeing negative information as a gift. I like to say it this way. The wound itself sees information as an attack or a judgment. The optimal self sees information as a gift. Bravo. And again, I go back to the intent and the delivery. Yes, absolutely. And you're doing it. You're just articulating that principle. They feel safe. And they're able to move out of their comfort zone and develop and grow to be their best. Excellent. Yeah. And you just said it perfectly as well. It goes back to the vulnerability we were talking about earlier. Creating that safe environment where you can be vulnerable is really hard. And it takes consistent work at it. And it takes no judgments in terms of judging someone for being vulnerable. And so Again, you've got to stay true to that mission and stay true to the efforts of creating that safe space. Yeah, it takes the combination of empathy and optimization. I accept your reality. I accept that's you and it's sacred. And I'm here to ask you the best questions or guide you to be the best you can be. Because everyone wants to be their best. No one wants to function from fear and defensiveness, ultimately. No one wakes up in the morning and goes, gee, I want to fail today, <laughs> you know, right? We Joel. all want to wake up in the morning and be our best and do a great job. And right. so let's feed into that. Let's support that. Right. So I have one last question for you. What are your best tips for dealing with your greatest people management challenges? Well, that was a great segue after our last question, because it goes down to the principles of always being direct, honest, 
and not avoiding conflict. And because when we avoid conflict or avoid a difficult situation, it only magnifies. Mm -hmm. And so what you thought was a difficult conversation or situation to deal with on the forefront, it's just going to usually get worse or get magnified or the behaviors you want are not going to change, right? Applying paint over rust doesn't remove the rust. Yes. Applying makeup over wrinkles doesn't take away the wrinkles. Exactly. Very good analogies. You know, that goes back to being fair, being balanced, going back to listening. Mm. But the Cindy-isms, as my team would say, is again, don't avoid conflict, be fair and balanced, be honest and direct, and just get comfortable with being uncomfortable because in the long run, that approach will serve you well in developing yourself and your team. Coming out of the pandemic, I really do make the comparison of what the CFO was to the financial crisis the CHRO will be to the pandemic and the other elements of the social unrest that is coming out of today. I I have heard employees say, I feel like I'm going through an apocalypse, which is just why it's so important as a CHRO to- To get them into the mindset of accept what's out of your control and make the most of what's within your control. 100%. Right. If you stay on what's out of your control, you can drive yourself nuts now. It's like expecting that you can change the weather. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. Bill. Thank you for spending the time and sharing with us your thoughts. This has been outstanding. Thank you. I've enjoyed it and I can hear from Bill's voice that he really has enjoyed it. So Cindy, thanks so much for being our guest today and providing us with a wealth of information. If you're listening today and you enjoyed this episode of How Top HR Professionals Think, like this podcast, subscribe to this channel and share the link on your favorite social media. It's been a joy to be with you. Thank you for joining us. For more information, please visit OptimalThinking.com or call us at 424-204-6133. That's 424-204-6133. 6133. And as Dr. Glickman reminds us, the future belongs to those who bring their best to the present. Have an optimal thinking day. Mm